This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Coming up at 5 o'clock, El Hombre, Michael Bradley will join us. He'll climb down from the light pole out there somewhere in Philadelphia. No, they greased the poles there, Bob. <laughs> Somebody if he, got it. If he came down, he was sliding. He's sliding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder what they do to combat, because I, I saw multiple pictures of guys at the top of the pole. I don't know how they got up there. But do you wonder how they grease it? What are they using? Did we figure that out? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Is it like Crisco, Crisco or something? <laughs> yeah, just vegetable oil, or Ugh. do you go to like a, you know, like a mechanic shop like oil or something? Or something? Or, I don't yeah. know. What are they doing over there? I don't know. Do yeah. I think you know that you would. I would be the last person you'd have to worry about climbing one of those poles, Dave. Getting all of that on me. No, sir. Oh yeah, just <laughs> grease the... Crisco. Ugh. Yeah, no, not well, worth it. You know, <laughs> you know what I would do, Bob, if I didn't want you to. To climb the pole, I would put mayonnaise on it. Oh. <laughs> and then go ahead and throw a snake somewhere in the vicinity for good measure, and I'd be... What would you do? You either climb oh. up the pole of mayonnaise or fall down into the snake pit. Climb the mayonnaise. Yeah. I do not like snakes. Only, and then the stipulation, Bob, is that you have to eat it as you go up the pole. I would attempt that. Lick. Well, I don't want to say that. Yeah, they, yeah. Let's let's leave that one there, Dave. You almost you almost jumped right in. <laughs> Lefko's trying to figure out what you were going to say, and it seems pretty obvious. I'm with pole assassin. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, now let's talk about poles. I mean, yeah, Dave's yeah. a big fan. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. That was about a uh, stripper. Yes, thank you. Okay, pole assassin. <laughs> Yeah, she was. What here's a name. You know the story is she got mad at these little kids because uh, they went in her backyard and their monkey bit the pole assassin's monkey bit the little kids, and now they're all mad at pole assassin and pole assassin. But that was two like, years ago. So I hope they're over it now. But. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, they, they climbed was, into her territory. Yeah, that's, it's like what, what are the kids doing over there? Control your kids. Yeah, I love kids. Own. Okay, but Man. you control them. Yeah, no. I mean, I, to me, it's on the parents. Absolutely. That's why there's a little kid the other this last I don't know if it was last Halloween or two where he comes up and just like starts grabbing. I'm like, where's your dad? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna me. slap your dad. Where is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I blame the kids in that scenario as well. That monkey was just being a monkey. Yeah. That's all. He, he didn't go crazy. The monkey didn't go crazy. He went monkey. That's exactly you right. You stick your fingers in my cage, I'm going to bite him. <laughs> so uh, I saw this, uh, This they called it the way too early power rankings, which, of course, the season just ended. We've had no draft. Free agency hasn't taken place. So we have no idea what rosters are ultimately going to look like. But just an exercise to create conversation. That's what ESPN did. In their top 10, in their way too early power rankings, go Chiefs, obviously, Eagles 2, 49ers 3, followed by the Bengals, Bills, Cowboys, Chargers, Dolphins, Vikings, and Jags in your top 10. That's your top 10. You notice the Seahawks aren't in the top 10. Jags are. They've got the Seahawks ranked 13th. Yeah. So, again, we have no idea what these rosters will look like. Gino may be here. He might not be. We will see who they draft, all that good stuff. But just at first blush, do you feel like, wait a minute, that's too low, that's too high, or about right? It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's about where, I mean, you, you look at all of these teams. First of all, are they all playoff teams? The Dolphins, yeah. Vikings, Jags, yeah, they're all playoff teams. And and the Seahawks were, you know, there at 13th. I mean, it was kind of 
I thought they could have shifted around the top there. They went Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, Bengals, which yeah. is pretty much the AFC, NFC champion and games. By, by the way, 11 and 12, two teams that are in front of 11, the Ravens, 12, the Detroit Lions. They've got Dan Campbell's Lions ahead. And yeah. my favorite team, certainly, as John Clayton would have, the late great John Clayton would yeah. say, uh, ahead of the Seahawks. So my two favorite teams, 12 and 13 right there. Yeah. And <laughs> wait, who was 11? Ravens. Uh, oh, the Ravens. Yeah. yeah. See, that that's the one that kind of bothered me a little bit. I mean, I look, I know they made it into the playoffs, but I feel like maybe the Seahawks should have been ranked ahead of them. But no, it's about right. It's about right. And I think the Lions, I mean, I have to say I, I like that team. I like the way that they're built. I really have always loved Jared Goff. You guys know of that. Of course, he's been a longtime supporter of Jared Goff. <laughs> uh, I I think he's doing great. He had a, he had a good year there. I think yeah, he, he had a very over good like year, four thousand yards. So yeah, I think it they, might have been his best year of his career. Yeah, and they've got a lot of young guys. They drafted really were really well. So yeah, I I get that, but no, that doesn't surprise me too much. It's just a matter of like how do you how do you knock those those teams off and. You know, I'm. I wonder what where they were ranked going into the 2012 season because I kind of feel like that's that's sort of where they are right now. Having coming off a couple of drafts, you know, at the time John Schneider was hitting home runs and didn't really know it yet because they didn't place all those guys together, and then they all got better together. And you know, I was thinking about that this morning and like how how you get better and every single player in the NFL that's good came from college. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing you, you know that it's where how much you pay them, you know, whether or not they can stay healthy and, you know, where you draft them and things like that. But all of them get better. And that's something I think a lot of people can't see. And so I think, you know, if you have a team and I, that's where I would make the case for the Lions, too. And maybe the Chiefs, actually, I, I get them at number one, but they have lots of young guys that have yet to develop. So, you know. The question that I think is way too early is, is this, is this a dynasty? You know, the Chiefs, they win two out of three. It's, as far as uh, Super Bowls go, pretty amazing. But when you look at how young they are, and Patrick Mahomes is not exactly an old man, mm-hmm. they've got, you know, they've got the the makings to, to possibly hang on to that. Well, part of what they do in this, in this way too early power rankings is they give the off season in three or fewer words for each team and then they give a little paragraph but so the three words they use for the chiefs keep mahomes happy so then they're saying chiefs have some work to do if they're going to surround him with a strong cast of skill players uh, juju smith schuster uh, mccall hardman and jarek mckinnon are potential unrestricted free agents kelsey has shown no signs of decline but he will turn 34 in october good chunk of their available resources need to be devoted to bolstering their receiving group so that's so they do that for each team. Now, what they say about the Seattle Seahawks in their three words or fewer is that uh, is uh, Geno and defense, which is what we've been saying. That's the obvious. The two big offseason tasks for the Seahawks, General Manager John Schneider, are to re-sign Geno Smith and improve the front seven of their defense. He'll have the resources to do it with around $30 million in cap space before cuts and restructures and a boatload of draft capital that includes the fifth overall pick and four of the top 53 selections. So you've there got four is. picks there. 
Yeah, and that's going to be it's going to be crucial that they uh, and I'm, I'm we'll get a chance we'll get a, a, a feel from John Schneider about what he thinks about this draft and you know what uh, what some of the opportunities are when we talk to him on Thursday. But and yeah, this is uh, I, I'm kind of in for the whole rebuild as as far as you know getting the young guys. That was so much fun last year watching those young guys mm-hmm. play well. So, but um, yeah, I think Geno Smith, I, I would be very interested. This is a scenario you talked about earlier, Bob. Geno, you, you sign him back. Maybe even you sign Drew Locke, but then you draft a a, a guy maybe in the third round, fourth mm-hmm. round, fifth round even um, at quarterback and just bring him along. That's a guy that you really believe in. See if they can make him into a, a player two, three years from now. The only thing that's, that's uh, uh, kind of weird about that is that Pete's contract ends in three years. So he's got 23, 24, 25. And I don't know, is he going to want to see that through? Is that maybe maybe he re-signs on? But, you know, I, I feel like it, it would be nice to see him go into this next season knowing exactly who your quarterback is, and I think that would be Geno Smith. Yeah, and here, here's one other potential downside to that scenario. They've signed Geno for three years, let's say. Yeah. They draft a quarterback who they like, but they feel like we're going to develop him. And then Geno moves on after three years. Whatever happens, they throw this kid in, whoever it is. Josh McGeggy's now your quarterback and has a brilliant season. Well, you don't have all those years of the rookie contract left. Yeah. Right. You're now at a point like, all right, he comes off. True. You're kind of in the same situation you are with Gino in that you got one great season under their belt. Now you're in the, do we pay him? Do we, is this who he is? Is it not? What do we do? You're kind of in that same spot again. And who knows in three years where, where salary is going to be for quarterbacks, especially a young one who's just coming off their first great year. I mean, just throwing that out as a potential hypothetical, but if you draft well and you you recognize talent in this kid who and it comes to fruition two years down, three years down, all of a sudden you're dealing with his contract immediately. Yeah, now all of a sudden you're paying him. <laughs> yeah, what, what, are, what are the numbers going to look like then? In three, four years, 60-plus, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. But And we'll be going, he's had one good year. He's yeah. only had one year starting, and, you know, I mean – so yeah, it's it's a, I mean it'd be a good it'd be a good scenario because that means the guy you picked came in, got his opportunity and lit it up. And now you're like, well, geez, do we bet on that that's who he is just from this point forward or it's a good position to be in rather than well, we threw him out there and he just face planted. So we don't have to worry about his contract. Well, but then you don't have a quarterback either. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's I'm not you know, all we heard last year and the year before that was how good this draft was going to be as far as quarterbacks go. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, wait till the 2023 draft. So, you know, we'll see. And we'll see if this Will Levis guy continues to to climb up. And, and like we talked about, hey, if they, if they take a quarterback with the number five pick, I got to believe that they know something and that it's going to work out pretty well because they were able to get it done with a backup in his 10th year in Geno Smith and a guy who was a third-round draft choice in 2012 and Russell Russell Wilson. So that's, that, that part of it's going to be, I don't think we're going to know a whole lot unless, you know, they sign both Gino and Drew Locke back to, to contracts, then we'll kind of think, oh, all right, they're, they're moving on. Is that what you would prefer? Would you love to see them spend that five pick on, and I know you, you're a fan of the, the trading back, which yeah, that that could be. You could catch somebody in a desperate situation there. I want he these might guys give to shine way more and more and more. All of these guys to crush their pro days. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but you know, if you if they pick some big 
war daddy or defensive end or something, it would be nice to know that, you know, that's where you're spending your draft cap- capital, not on getting a quarterback when, you know, you can get Geno locked up for hopefully somewhere in the 30s. Yeah. Now, we, we've talked about Geno and his his uh, activity on Twitter and trying to decipher, all right, is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What does it mean? Some people say, that's a song lyric, the word numbers. Okay. Uh, so so is the word the, and the, that's in every other tweet. But he, he tweeted out something I thought was interesting, and it, it, it you're sort of taken aback. It just, he said five hours ago, I know I can be a successful OC right now on any level. Now, I don't know what prompted that. What was that in response to something somebody said, something somebody heard, or is that a song lyric I'm not familiar with, Dave? I don't know. But, <laughs> but I would not know that. That that's one where you kind of go, yeah, okay. You, you just focus on the quarterback. And I think the first response somebody sent was something about, yeah, why don't you just worry about one thing at a time, Gino? Something like that. And. Does this mean he's going to want some input on the offense? He's going to want, you know, we talked about Aaron Rodgers and we talked about Russ and we've talked about some of these quarterbacks that want to be involved more than just being the guy that goes out there and runs the plays that were called. Is that a red flag at all when you read that? Are you like, oh boy, that, that, I don't know what to make of that. Well, aren't you supposed to brag and say ridiculous things on Twitter, Bob? No, I don't. Well, some do. I don't know that you're supposed to, and I don't know that. Again, he leaves this open to interpretation. That's the problem, and I, I, I don't know what inspired that particular tweet. You know, I, I wonder if maybe he's a guy that just reacts to every because there's lots of days where, you know, on the on the uh, our Twitter or our text toy, you know, the uh, the Mac and Jacks hotline there, eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Every once in a while, you'll have somebody just throw in this random, really hateful thing that like you know you're this and jerk you know and not funny not in a funny way and everything yeah just mean and and there's just you just ignore it you don't you don't ever respond to that kind of thing if somebody's being ridiculously over the top they're trying to be clever or whatever that's fine but you know and i'm wondering if is gino maybe did somebody doubt him on twitter that like oh you don't know the game because it's pretty clear he knows the game i mean it's especially you know, and saying I could be a successful OC right now, offensive coordinator, I'm thinking that that's... On any level. Yeah, it, I'm thinking that that's definitely something that, you know, somebody sort of tested him as so far as you feel as like he's responding to something. the game. Yeah, exactly, because I, I don't think that there's any... If you watched last, last season, you would see that he absolutely has a command of the offense. He did a great job with, you know, making all the checks and the calls and him in the center working together and... You know, and I, he didn't need any of that, but he got help from, you know, from the center. But uh, I, I feel like he, he he's just done a, a great job as far as running the offense and handling everything. So I don't I don't understand why you would make that comment unless somebody doubted you. And I think he does have an extra big chip on his shoulder that he carries, just because he's been a backup for for that long. And part of it could just be that's the way he came out. And you know, I feel like that's uh, okay. That's fine. I don't know. Is this harmful? Does this bother you? I mean, if you if they sign, does this make you not want to sign him to yeah, it just a makes you wonder. million dollar deal? Because typically, I'll say this. Typically on Twitter, if they're responding to a, a particular comment or tweet, they'll retweet it and put their comment above it. So you'll see okay. you'll see what somebody, Dave Wyman said, you don't know anything about offense. And then he'd respond. He'd retweet it and write above it. 
I could I could be an OC right now on any level. So you can see what it means. That's just a random statement. It appears in reaction to nothing in particular. Right. I don't know if he just was feeling kind of spicy at the moment. And I know a lot about offense, and I could be an OC. I, I, part of me likes the confidence. Part of me doesn't want a quarterback that has that mentality or that attitude because if they get play calls that they don't like, maybe it's, we've seen it with Kyler Murray. We've seen it with you know different situations. If somebody feels like, yeah, I'm not only a quarterback, I could do your job too. Yeah, I don't love that. But, again, that's what happens with sort of cryptic tweets. You read into it. But that one I kind of read with, like, wait a minute, what? what? Why Why would you say that? Because I think the first response that I saw was right. Yeah, just worry about playing quarterback. Just just take one thing at a time. <laughs> they've, they've got an OC right now. That job's full. It's been it's It's been filled. So uh, you're you you just be the quarterback. I kind of like whoever the next guy that uh, responded said, "Easy, Gino, step by step. Yeah. You can do it. We know." Oh, I like that. <laughs> another one said, "My son's youth team is hiring. Pays in popsicles. Come on down for an interview." Yeah. <laughs> I would tell him, uh, you know what? Go call uh, go call my son's flag football yeah. team. You know, I used to drop some dandies, Bob. You know, when I was the the head coach of a flag football team, sixth graders, <laughs> man. Oh, I was dealing. Yeah, uh, but I don't. I, I'm not under. I don't really understand exactly what he's trying to get done there. Maybe and maybe he's getting advice from his agent, like, "Hey, you need to kind of be a little edgy or whatever." But I don't think it's. I mean, I'm sure that the Seahawks are aware of everything that goes on on Twitter. I'm just not sure that they even respond to it in any way, shape, or even recognize it for that matter. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Who knows? Who knows what it means? But he, he's, he's. If you follow Gino on Twitter, he'll he'll just kind of like he just tweeted four hours ago. Sauna thoughts, okay. Sauna <laughs> thoughts, yeah. Just all right. Uh, so we'll we'll see. But that that's one you look at, you read it, and you go, hmm. Okay, we we've talked about guys who want to sort of step outside of their lane. You know, stay in your lane, kind of thing. You've you've talked about owners own, coaches coach, and players play. Right. And and when they start delving into the other. You know, dipping their toe in the other pool there. Hey, I want to. I want to say in personnel, or I want to say in what kind of plays we're running here. It, maybe, maybe it's at times it can be helpful if it, if you're asking if it's not unsolicited, but other times it can be problematic, as we've seen. Yeah. So, you know, my my sophomore year at Stanford, we were one in ten, and uh, we had a coach named Andy Kristoff, and we got along just fine. But the, one of the very last games, you know, there was the phone down on the sidelines where you'd actually pick up a telephone, uh, <laughs> you know, like an old fashioned one. And uh, I was I was just totally frustrated. We were getting killed, and I was like, "Why do we keep running this? You know, we need to do this and that." And he goes, "Who is this?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's it's Dave, your middle linebacker." And he just totally cursed me out, you know, like you get out there on the bleeping field and you play and blah, blah, blah. And then I actually, uh, it was our last game. So I let him have it a little bit. Yeah. And then that was it. I never saw him again. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I was like, yeah, I probably over, I was frustrated. I was, you know, trying to be the coach and why don't we run this defense? This is what works. And it was all based on whatever I saw, you know, whatever happened in my little world out on the field. So, but yeah, I just, 
you know, I was kind of surprised afterwards that, like, I never thought that I would be that kind of guy. I never would have talked to Joe Sellers, my state champion Worcester High School coach, that way. <laughs> but uh, would but, you yeah. ever call up Chuck Knox or Rusty Tillman? Or, oh my God! You know no. your other coaches said, what, no. are you, "What are you doing? Why aren't we doing this?" Absolutely not. And one time, I actually said something out loud in front of Tom Catlin, and then I went. I had to go and you know, he got really mad at me, and I. So I did pop off every once in a while. Everybody does. I mean, I think, but the thing is, it's in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. The times that I did things like that, it was either on the practice field, down on the field. um, But, you know, just all of a sudden saying I can coach at any level. I could be an offensive coordinator. You're kind of, I mean, everybody links you with the Seahawks. So the first person I think of is Shane Waldron. Yeah. Like, okay, so you can be Shane Waldron. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing. How does Shane take that? Probably not. Probably doesn't love it. I wouldn't. You might think. be like my coach and like, who is this? Yeah. Why yeah. don't you go play quarterback? Well, we, you know, listen. I'm, I'm guessing there are a lot of guys on a lot of teams that feel like I could do this guy's job. I could call those. I could come up with a better defensive scheme than what we're running out here. I could come up with a better off. I, I don't think it's a unique thought if that's truly what he thinks. But maybe you don't put it on social media. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that strategy and what, what's going on there and what time of night. Or what time of the day are those being tweeted out? That was uh, five hours ago. Five hours ago? Okay. All right. Well, I'm just making sure that they're not, you know, if they're sometime like in the evening, <laughs> you later. Think there could be some I'm just thinking maybe something Celebratory drink somewhere and then took to Twitter and said, let me share some thoughts. I know that I have texted some things to you guys that I'm really not very proud of. <laughs> that you don't remember until we go, what do you mean by this? No. What do you mean by what? <laughs> I don't recall that I at texted all. you? What? I don't know who you're talking about. No, so, I, yeah, I just I don't understand all that part of it. I don't think he's a terrible guy or anything like that. It's just an interesting strategy because I think the one thing, and the Seahawks do this, the most powerful thing is silence. Yeah. Just just be quiet, man. Don't say anything. Otherwise, you give you give things away, and especially and that's what the Seahawks they never ever comment on any of this stuff. All that stuff was going on with Russ. Everything that you know was coming up. Nothing. You never mm-hmm. heard anything. Nothing before the draft. Nothing about anything they're ever being accused of. You know, it just that is a very powerful stance. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, until they all release statements at the same time. With Jody, Pete, and John, remember? Oh, yeah, during yeah. the season? Uh, no, that was in the off season. What are you talking after about? After the trade. Oh. Yeah, what'd they say? They, they, they all basically had the same statement. That was? That after we learned he didn't want to come back, we decided yeah. to do this. and you right. know, yeah. But they didn't say anything inflammatory. No, no. No. I mean, that, that didn't. I mean, that didn't come out until a long ways after that. Yeah, because remember they they released those statements. And then Russ was asked about it at his press conference, and he was he was like, "Uh, no, yeah." He yeah, was they trying kinda, to they kind of countered he, he, whatever. I mean, but yeah, you're right. They yeah. didn't say anything until it became official. Then they all released the statements. Yeah. But all right, coming up, we expect a big leap out of Matt Brash this year, and we'll let you hear exactly why that is. Coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on seven ten. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at 5 o'clock, El Hombre Michael Bradley will be joining us. See what kind of 
mood he's in after the Philadelphia Eagles gacked it away in the second half. Their defense just fell on their face. That's Man, how we'll present I it to him anyway. <laughs> I think he's going to go the Lefko route. Oh, I knew they were terrible. And they were... <laughs> told you. That's what, I told you there was, there was a chance they were going to lose. They're not that great. <laughs> yeah, always I, told, I told you the term for it. It's pessimistic realism. Realism. Yeah, I made yeah. that up. But you're always you're in a position to win. You're always in a position no, to say, I'm, I'm kind of right. No, 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 no. It's no. mitigating your sadness. That's what it comes <laughs> I, down to. I feel like Lefko's authentic about it, though. Like, after they win, he's not out pounding his chest. No. He's still got the same attitude, like, well, they were kind of lucky. They got away with this, and I don't know. Just Like, what would be the team that Lefko would finally go, ah, oh, I'm all in on these guys. These guys are the best, absolutely from A to Z, they're my favorite team. If any of my teams were good. Tampa Bay Lightning, I maybe. Would. Yeah. If any of your right. teams were good. Yeah. <laughs> Purdue's not good? Yeah, they're hitting they, the wall. Weren't they ranked number one? They yeah, were, and they've they lost were. twice in the past seven days. So How They're hitting they? a wall. And ta- I feel like I've asked him about each of these teams, and he'll he'll play both sides. They're Yeah, they're, they're good. What about this game? Well, they should win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. It's like, okay, so you, you kind of end up being right regardless of the outcome with a statement like that. I'll just say Mike Lefko's sports rooting life is just miserable. Yeah. It's just it's <laughs> anchored in misery. <laughs> it's preparing there, for, that's a for new misery. One for you. Anchored in misery. Yeah. Are you going to write your own one down now? Add it to my phrases. I'm add, add your own to, word to the list. Regarding Mike Lefko. Was it regarding, <laughs> pertaining to? Uh, so Matt Brash is, was part of the conversation we had yesterday with uh, Chris Langan from uh, Driveline Baseball. Some really good stuff. There was some really interesting stuff. They work with, you know, pro prospects. They work with pro players, depending on what they're they're trying to get through. But Matt Brash is a, is a regular there. And we talked to Chris Langan. It, boy, you talk about high praise. Talked about the slider. I got to hear this again. I I still can't believe it. Talked about his slider and where it ranks amongst sliders he's he's seen before, just general pitches. Here's what he said. The known things, obviously, are, I mean, I I think you could pretty realistically say his slider is maybe the best pitch in terms of, like, pitch movement and velocity uh, in, like, Major League history. Like, I actually think it's, like, that uh, absurd how good the stuff of that pitch is. Um, and the curveball is obviously pretty darn good, too. It's got a little more depth, so it can kind of be the uh, another option for left-handed hitters. Best pitch in Major League history. He said you can realistically say that that's the best <laughs> pitch. I'm sorry. I I love hearing, you know, all the hyperbole over all, the, any Mariner. Love it, but come on now. History. Come on, man. Come on, man. I love it too, and I, Chris Langan was great to talk to, but I, I can't get there. I can't get on that bus yet. But why is he saying that? I, I think he's getting into the into the weeds of the analytics and the movement and the depth yeah. and all the things that they measure there at Driveline. But <sighs> well, and he, he was talking about you know uh, like his fastball and that like he needs like a, an extra pitch to get him to his you know his slider or you know he needs a cut or whatever um it's but yeah i just couldn't believe that when i i was like looking around at you guys going did we just hear that major league baseball history and i don't know i mean i feel like if you look at the stuff that guys were throwing probably back in like the 60s and 70s the stuff now seems much more advanced and it also yeah. you know it also <laughs> makes you realize how I just think hitting a baseball 
is one of the most difficult things in any sport. Mm-hmm. Hitting a baseball, especially like for average, that you're going to consistently do that. And that's also why, for you people that think I'm a Houston Astro fan, <laughs> this is that's also why I think that's one of the worst ripoffs that anybody's ever done. As far knowing as knowing what pitch is coming. Knowing what pitch is coming. So so there. But man. <laughs> so there, I'm not a fan. Yeah, that, but that, I will wear their hat. <laughs> I'm not wearing their hat. Yeah, there was some rumor that I was gonna wear an Astros hat, a San Francisco 49er jersey. With the name Goodell on the back. Goodell on the back. <laughs> some some said Jared Goff. Just endearing yourself to everybody all at once. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I and mean, we've heard that from Ryan Roland Smith. Now he didn't say history, but then Pete Woodworth, his his pitching coach as well, was like, Yeah, it's like I've not seen something like this, but to say MLB history I mean, I don't know if they have a way of measuring break and whatever. They probably do. I don't know about the guys back in the early days. but Yeah, we're going to need to see that one over a season or two or three. This reminds me of uh, the the Bugs Bunny pitch where it would come in, the ball would go in, and then it would go whoop, 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 bounce up and down and around, and they'd like strike one, strike two, strike three. You're out. Yeah, or there'd be the changeup that was just going in slow motion. It'd be just they strike out three guys in a row on one pitch. (laughs) That's (laughs) what we're looking at, man. (laughs) Well, I got to see this, and I don't know if they're going to be on some of the backfields or whatever. I want to go and get like sit right behind home plate and watch this this historic slider from and I'm not being I'm not being a a smart ass or anything. I don't I don't think that it's that he's not good or anything. I was just like, wow, that's really high praise. I hope he's right about that. But like I said, Ryan Roland Smith's been saying that. I'm trying to remember uh besides Pete Woodworth, there was someone else, I think maybe it was Blowers that you know, that was talking and he's not one for hyperbole. No. And, uh, yeah, he was saying how it was just a very special pitch that he has. Well, Chris went on to talk about why adding a slider to his his arsenal will help his overall command. It's just very difficult to command those two pitches, regardless, really, uh, of how good your command is at a base level. And then when Matt's, I mean, just to be honest, his command as a starter was a bit below average. I think the best way to develop his ability to start and to get better results out of the bullpen is to just throw a pitch that kind of leans into a little bit of cut, which would basically be the cutter rather than throwing a big breaking ball. Um, And basically the hitter has to stand up there and he's got three pitch shapes he has to worry about now. And if you throw a four-seamer 98 down the middle or a cutter at 94 or a slider at 88, it gives you the ability to not necessarily have to command any of those individual pitches great um, because there's so much guessing there. You can kind of get away with throwing each of those pitches over the radius of the strike zone. So he's he's counting on the ability to keep the hitter off balance. Yeah, with, with those three, as opposed to command. Yeah, so it's not that you got to sit there and 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 dot everything. You're painting the the corners there every single time. You've got the hitter so confused and unaware of what's coming, and they're guessing, so they're off balance. And it doesn't need to be you know just clipping the edges there. It can be yeah. off the plate, and they're going to chase. Right. So we'll we'll see if that you know is going to be something that's true. It's. He's he's got ridiculous stuff. His his biggest liability was his command. And and he said, you know, he's being nice there. Well, his command was a little below average. Yeah, I'd say it was a lot below average as a starter. It was why they made the change. He was he was walking guys left and right. Um and that's when George Kirby came into play and he's phenomenal. So it, it's going to be the development of of Brash as a reliever and I don't I'd love to know just from him and I don't know if he'd say it on on air or on the record if you will, but I'd assume he'd like to be a starter again. 
That's all. I don't know many guys that are like, yeah, I want to be a reliever. Unless mm-hmm. maybe the glory of being the closer, the guy that comes in and shuts it all down. But outside of that, I'm I'm a young guy like that. I'm going to assume he'd like to be back in the in a rotation. That's you're going to make more money, obviously, as a starter as opposed to a bullpen guy. So, yeah, just I, if he can get that command in check, and he's got the kind of stuff that he's got, how tempting is it to make him a starter? Yeah. Well, and like you said. I don't know that many little boys grow up and you know playing little league thinking, yeah, I can't wait to be in the bullpen. Yeah, you know, they want to be a, a, a starter. I'm I'm curious, and I I hate that when you don't ask a question, but I, I'm curious with with Chris if if he would have asked. I I would love to ask him like because of these pitches are so special. Is he putting his arm through any more contortion? than other players, or is it just something? Apparently it's all from that big middle finger that yeah, he has. Yeah, he's got a crazy finger. A hook a hook on the end of it or something You know something we got to like see that. him in person, shake his hand, and look at his yeah, fingers. Yeah, of course. <laughs> hold, your, hold your hand up. Yeah. Say hello. But Wave. I'm curious about that. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's exciting to me. I don't know. It's one of those things that's kind of like a legend. You're like, yeah. You hear about a guy, and then this is like back in the old days. Remember you'd hear about like Brian Bosworth. Yeah. Or I remember Mike Singletary, my coach, told me he made every single tackle at Baylor when he was linebacker. And you'd hear this legend, like the legend of Matt Brash's cutters, or I'm sorry, the slider is just it's tempting, Bob. <laughs> it's exciting. All right, coming up, Patrick Mahomes reveals an important piece of halftime coaching that they got from Andy Reid. You'll hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Well, last year, one of the stories, the Super Bowl, a couple days after the fact, came out that uh, Bengals kicker Evan McPherson snuck out at halftime and went to watch the halftime concert. So Patrick Mahomes was on with uh, Jimmy Kimmel yesterday, and Mahomes was asked if anyone was tempted to go sneak out and watch uh, Rihanna, but he had a good answer for that. You at all watching Rihanna's uh, performance during this? I didn't, but I heard it was great. But uh, Coach Reed told us, he said, if you go out to watch the performance, just keep walking because you're not playing the rest of the year. (laughs) You think he meant that, meant that about Patrick, though? No. He said, Patrick, you can go ahead and watch whatever you want, pal. You'll no. be back. You'll be back. I, I sent like you that. guys that story, though, by the way. Sorry. Uh, that he, that Patrick went in there at halftime and kind of lit people up. Not like, hey, you need to do a better job. But, like, why is everybody hanging their head here? What the bleep is going on? Like, firing them up. And then, then that got Travis Kelsey going. And he started chirping. And then everybody got fired up. But interesting. You know, he was going. Because that's when... We're all thinking, oh, man, is that ankle going to keep him out of the second half? How he looked in excruciating pain on the bench. And then maybe his his teammates were feeling the same way. And he gets in there like, the bleep are you guys all doing hanging your heads? We got a game to play. It seemed like a reading. It, it seemed like a script out of a movie or something. It's weird how I, I wonder if him twisting that again, it hurt really, really bad for like a few minutes. And then it maybe it made it better. It just. Maybe it broke some something loose that was bothering him, or well, you saw something. the replay where it, it bent kind of awkwardly. The guy landed on it again, yeah. but it wasn't as bad as the last one. No, right? but, but it, it did. You definitely saw it get twisted. It wasn't. Yeah, it, yeah, it was obvious. Well, if happened. anything, he should have been in getting treatment on his ankle, not watching Rihanna. So that yeah. would have been a double uh, <laughs> no-no for him. Sweeping the dial.
This is uh, one of the most Andy Reid things ever. He was talking to Peter King after the Super Bowl, and he says that the play that Kadarius Tony scored on, the one that was wide open, well, it has a uh, has a unique name. I'll give you a name for it. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's called Corn Dog. So it's called what? Corn Dog. It's not called Corn Dog. Oh, yeah. Is it called Corn Dog? There's nothing better than a good Corn Dog with some mustard and uh, ketchup. But he doesn't step into the huddle and say Corn Dog. Oh, no, he says Corn Dog. He does. <laughs> oh, no. He says corndog. Why is that so hard to believe? I mean, we hear all kinds of weird things out there, whether it's Peyton Manning yelling Omaha or, you know, whatever. It's, it's... Remember Jared Goff had some things down and, like, he was yelling out somebody from, like, a series, like, was it from Charlie's Angels or something? I don't know. Man, I yeah, I remember that. I mean, that's, that's one of those things that, uh, yeah, everybody. Well, didn't you guys have some goofy names for left and right? That you're like, yeah, nobody knows what we're saying here. Like, River, River, or whatever. Rip, Rip and Leo. Yeah. Rocky and Lucky. <laughs> Those offensive linemen are too stupid to turn it around in they're, their minds. They're going, what are they talking about? Left. Oh, my left? Oh, no. My right. My right's your left. They can't figure that out. Corn dog. I like that, man. That's good. Sweeping the dial. At Shane Steichen's uh, introductory press conference today, Colts owner Jim Irsay kind of took over, and he maybe let slip something he wasn't supposed to when he was talking about the importance of drafting a quarterback. No one can shy away from the fact what quarterback means in this league and how we have to look going forward where, where Shane and Chris really you know, dig into this draft and really see where you're at. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. yeah, trade back. So um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking quote. <laughs> he, he likes picks. Uh, 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 although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, oh, he so, doesn't look bad. I mean, Bryce Young he's talking about there. And they have, what, the fourth overall pick, right? Yeah. Fourth yes. overall pick. It goes Chicago, Houston, Arizona, Indy, then Seattle. So do you think maybe he was trying to fish? A little misdirection, yeah. maybe? Maybe he's getting teams going, oh, he let it slip, and he's smarter than all of them going, they think I'm loose. Yeah. And he sounds like kind of a bumbling fool. <laughs> well, I told you that one. I know why, because that... I'm, I'm always at the meetings. Yeah, right, and right. And he's there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he. I, I felt like that was definitely something that he tried to be clever there. Nobody's going to buy that. Yeah. It, well, that one mock draft I, I had last week from CBS, remember, they, they were doing trades, and they had the Colts trading up to number one to take Will Levis. Yeah. Which, who knows? I mean, that's that's just somebody putting out their, their thing. But they, they clearly need a quarterback. I mean, they had Matt Ryan. It didn't work out. They had uh, Nick Foles. Who was the other one? That, oh, Ellinger. Ellinger was the other guy. Yeah, they don't have a quarterback. Philip Rivers, a couple years ago. A couple years. I'm just talking about this past oh, season, yeah. though. They don't. They don't have a quarterback. So, you got to imagine with the fourth overall pick. I don't know if they're going to trade up from that. They should be able to get if they like multiple quarterbacks, or maybe they've got it narrowed down to one and they will trade up. Who knows? The one thing that I heard today that that bothered me, and I think it was uh, it was Tom Leach. It was the Kentucky play-by-play guy that we heard yeah. from. Uh, that you know, he's like, well, he's just you know. It was almost like he was talking himself into, like, this guy has to be great in the NFL. He's one of those big guys with a rocket oh, Levis. arm and, yeah, going on and on about Levis. And, He's got a rocket for an arm. Yeah, like, <laughs> just like, like Jay Buhner. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's. I just saw that episode the other night. What'd you trade Buner for? 
Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know, that that made me shy away a little bit from uh, from Will Levis because he was like, yeah, all the things that everybody in the world can see, but what are the things that we can't see that don't allow him to be an NFL quarterback? And and his his numbers, and I, I get it, it's college, we don't know all the things that went wrong, and, and Leach was telling us about it, but they're not numbers you look at and go, my goodness, look at what this kid did. Yeah. They weren't really that impressive. So maybe he is. Maybe he'll be a stud and he's like uh, Josh Allen. Maybe that's what you're looking at, another version of that. But, you know, just if you're not watching Kentucky games, you're just strictly looking at numbers and everything. You're going, yeah, I don't I don't quite get the hype that's going on right now. Neither did Keyshawn. He didn't even know his name. Remember, he called him Levitt or whatever that guy's Levi's. name is. Levi's. <laughs> whatever the hell that guy is who they're trying to make into Joe Montana. Uh, all right. Coming up, we're going to see how this man is feeling. Whether he's going to be calling us from the top of a light pole or not remains to be seen. Was he tipping cars? We don't know. We're going to find out. El Hombre, Michael Bradley, joins us next here with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.